Welcome to this edition of Church and State, the podcast where we discuss topics on the subjects of church and government in America. Right on. Here's another episode. Here we are again. Your favorite podcasters. Well, my favorite podcasters. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody else thinks we're good, but I'm enjoying this. I almost hung myself here on these cords. <laughs> this is crazy. Watch out for the headphone cords. <laughs> wow. That was close. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be careful. Got to be careful. All right. Well, what do we have for a topic today? Well, today I want to talk about judicial supremacy and the out-of-control courts. Judicial supremacy judicial supremacy yes can you define that please well i am going to try okay now full disclosure i am conservative i take a conservative view of the constitution i believe that what it says is what it means Mm -hmm. right okay so judicial supremacy is a view that courts are supreme over the other two branches of government and they alone have the right to interpret the Constitution. Okay? Um, It's... I'm just going to say it like this. So Phyllis Schafly, uh, in her book, The Supremacists, states it this way. It says, textbooks will say that we have three balanced branches of government, but textbooks are badly behind the times because one branch has assumed authority over the other two. Today we are suffering from the oppressive rule of judicial supremacists who have replaced the rule of law with the rule of judges. Okay, so we're seeing more and more this idea that it only takes one federal judge anywhere out there to determine that something is unconstitutional and to stop everything that's going on, right? I mean, we've seen this a lot with President Trump, Um I know we've seen it in the past, but it seems to be accelerating under him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. I was reading this article by Daniel Horowitz in Conservative Review. And it, the article is titled, If a judge ordered Trump to resign, would that be the law? It says, gone are the days when we ruled by not when we were ruled by nine unelected black robes. That is old-fashioned. The millennial version of post-constitutionalism is that a liberal group can get any of the 670 district judges in one of the 94 district courts to rule on any abstract public policy, be it fiscal, social, cultural, national security, order, and that it is regarded by the political class as law. That includes even when Obama himself violated the law and invented a policy that never existed since George Washington. Trump is now compelled to allow Obama's policies to rule as a third term. 
who needs constitutional amendments to expand the terms of the Democrat presidencies when you have the courts. And so what we see is when President Trump signs an executive order reversing a previous executive order, say one by Clinton or an executive order that was put in place under Bush or one under Obama, which he's done a few times. He's decided that, so DACA, for example, sure, right? DACA was not a written law. It was not passed as a law. It was an executive order. And Trump said, I don't like this. I don't think it's right. And so I'm going to sign an executive order canceling that one. Which seems like it should be pretty cut and dried. One executive implements it. The next executive can say, I don't like that policy. I'm rescinding it. Right. You know, because it's not, it's not past legislation. It's just an executive branch decision on how things will, do, will, will work. But we're seeing where these judges, and I'm going to say it, they're liberal judges because those are the ones we see this over and over with. Somebody runs to the court, and it's almost always in the Ninth District. Um, they run to the court, and they put it in front of one of these liberal judges, and the liberal judge says, "You know what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put an injunction, or I'm going to overturn that. I'm going to." declare it unconstitutional, and all of a sudden, it can't happen anymore, right? So the Ninth Circuit, somebody in the Ninth Circuit, declares one of Trump's policies to be unconstitutional, and immediately there's a nationwide injunction on it. So he can't implement that policy. We saw it with the travel ban, which... The liberals like to call a Muslim travel ban, but it was not. It was for selected countries that have terrorism issues or civil unrest issues where they can't confirm who these people are. Absolutely. Because it was not all Muslim nations. In fact, there were, it was like a, not even a quarter of the Muslim nations that were on that list. Sure. Um, we've seen it with the border issues mm-hmm. and immigration Um, We see that on a daily basis almost. Yeah, like a daily basis. Um, Recently, Trump decided to lift the ban on drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. That's been ruled against in the courts. So we're seeing this repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And one judge is deciding for the entire country that that can't be put in effect but we're not seeing it on the other side. It seems like every time a conservative decision is made about the constitutionality of a law, say Obamacare, it continues to be implemented until the Supreme Court rules on it, right? But even the Supreme Court has overstepped its bounds at times. Sure. You know, the purpose of the courts was simply to determine whether laws and policies that were being implemented 
fit within the framework of the Constitution. That's right. That's right. And it wasn't to determine our rights. It wasn't to, you know, there's just a lot of things about the judiciary as it currently appears that are not really with the founding ideals. A lot of it to me just, it, I, I was totally taken aback by these, uh, I mean, any federal judge anywhere in this country just seems to be able to strike down whatever the, the president. Um, now, I know that presidents don't make laws, but they have, um, they have powers in certain areas like our military, our borders, Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what I'm. Yeah, there you know are executive I mean branch functions. Exactly, that's what they are. Yes. And in those executive branch functions, the executive branch has a lot of policy decisions they can make. Right. As long as it fits within the framework of whatever law was passed to govern that that section. So, like immigration, right now. Yes, we have immigration laws, right? And the uh, CBP, Customs Border Patrol, ICE, they are under Homeland Security, right? And Homeland yes. Security is an executive branch department. Yes. So although President Trump cannot change the law, he can't suddenly declare that only Irish people can gain citizenship in the U.S. Right. Right? That's... That's a congressional determination. But he can say, hey, within the framework of the law governing immigration, we are saying that the way things are being implemented are not working out in our favor. And because I can change the implementation I can change our policies. I can change our procedures. I can change, you know, how exactly what system we're using to do this, to make it more economical, to make it more streamlined, um, whatever. I'm going to implement XYZ. Well, it seems like every time we turn around, these XYZ things that are well within the constitutionality of the executive branch are being ruled as unconstitutional because they go against some liberal ideal. So the border, you know, Trump has said that you can't come in this country until, or, you know, if you come in and you, and you request amnesty, you have to wait on the other side of the border until we determine whether you qualify. Well, of course, the liberals are up in arms over that. Can't do that, can't do that. You have to let them in. Well, the law does not say that they have to be admitted into the country to await determination. That's just the policy that's been done. Well, it seems to me like if there was such a thing, it would be foolhardy. Well, yeah. So what we have then is de facto policy because Trump can't change it without having these judges coming against him. We have de facto policy that if you step foot in our country, you get to stay indefinitely because 
they're going to let you loose and you're supposed to come back to court, but who would come back to court when nobody's going to track you down anyway? And we have all these sanctuary cities that are just going to let you stay anyway. And it, we're, we're creating chaos. And a lot of it is due to the judicial branch. I still, I, this is, I don't know, I guess I just don't understand. I know states have certain rights, you know. Uh, states have quite a few rights. Um, probably most of them, you know, each individual state. But I, I believe when, when uh, I mean, this is what I always was led to believe anyways in my schooling that, um, like the sanctuary cities, uh, I, that goes against federal law and federal policy. So how can you take someone who is committing heinous crimes, uh, you know, murder, for instance? Um, I don't understand how the how the states can override you know, somebody committing federal crimes and and get away with it just because the state says, oh, we're not going to, we're going to prosecute these people. That's how did more. this, how did, how did that come about and why? Well, it came about a lot. A lot of it came about because um, for the most part, presidents have kept within the law. There are some things that Obama did, like DACA, that really weren't constitutional. He really well, that's didn't. still an executive order. It is. It's it not is. even law. No, it isn't. But even in, as an executive <clears throat> order, it, it was unconstitutional because he basically made a policy that gave these people legal status. Well... He doesn't have the right to give anybody legal status, right? So beyond that, what we had was the same, I'll call it lackluster, enforcement of immigration law that we had had under the previous president and the previous president and the previous president. Um, and somewhere along the way, these states, and it started out at like city level, you know, the cities would say, well, we don't believe that um, you can be an illegal immigrant, and so we're not going to cooperate with ICE. If they want somebody, they're going to just have to track them down. We're not going to hold them in our jails like we normally would. You know, used to be that ICE would put what they call a retainer on the person and said, hey, when you get ready to release them, you call us, we'll come get them. And these sanctuary cities have decided that they're not going to call ICE. They're just going to release these people because they don't want ICE to pick them up. Well, so what you have to realize is states do have certain abilities, right? There are certain things that are the purview of the states. It's set out in the Constitution. These things are the rights of people. These things are the rights of states. These things are the duties of the federal government. And so as long as it's not a duty of the federal government, it falls under the states. 
And if it's not explicitly given to the states, it's retained by the people. Our government has been flipped upside down. The, the ones that are supposed to have the most power are the people. The people, yes. You know, the people and then the states, and then the least powerful is supposed to be the federal government. And so the states do have a lot of room to say, that's not your area. You've made this law, but it's not your area. So we are not going to enforce that law. States have the right to do that. But they only have the right to do that if it's truly something that's not an area of the federal government. Well, <laughs> immigration is absolutely falls under, the, falls under the, yeah. the responsibilities of the federal government. And so for the states to say, you know what, we're just going to ignore your federal laws on immigration and we're going to do whatever we want. Not really how that's supposed to work. You have the flip side of that, the marijuana laws, right? The states actually have a lot of in the right on that. Yes, there are federal laws against marijuana, but that's not one of those things laid out in the Constitution that's supposed to be under the purview of the federal government. And so the states have a lot of room in saying, you know what, we don't agree with the federal law. We don't think the federal branch has the right to make that law, and we're going to make our own rules. Puts a conflict in there, but it's not actually out. It's not actually um, breaking the Constitution to do that. But what we have here is these federal judges who have determined that they have the right to make up, I guess. I mean, I, I get that they're following settled case law and all of that. But really, in the beginning, the courts were not meant to be strong. They were meant to check and balance the other branches but, you know, the courts are not to make law, and the courts are not to enforce law. They're supposed to determine whether or not it stays within the Constitution. That's really supposed to be the only purpose of the court under our federal form of government. It's to look at it and say, yes, you're following the Constitution, or no, this breaks the Constitution. But instead, they've decided that they get to determine that not only does it break the Constitution, because we say it does, but you have to immediately, immediately start following our determination. No matter which little federal district judge determines it. I have a problem with this. I really have a problem with this. Why does one judge in one courtroom in Seattle, Washington, get to determine fiscal policy for all of us? Um, why do they get to determine, determine 
immigration policy for all of us. I mean, these are national security issues as far as the immigration issue is that one judge is determining they get to decide and they're not deciding on the side of let's protect everybody that's already in this country. Let's protect our country. They're siding on the, well, everybody who wants to come here can policy. And I think it's insanity. And I think that President Trump needs to stand up to the judicial branch and say, you know what? Until the Supreme Court determines that what we're doing is running afoul of the Constitution, we're going to keep doing it. You know, because he he keeps allowing them to, to rein him in, and it gets overturned. But by the time it gets overturned, we're already in crisis mode now. I can't help but think about that. Uh, when President Trump was uh, running for office, he had that poem called The Snake. Yeah. You knew I was a snake before you let me in. <laughs> And, and we're doing that. We know all the, we know that there's a lot of snakes and we're just inviting them in. And Trump is trying to say, hey, we need to stop this. And, you know, I wish he would just, I wish he would just throw off the shackles and say, you know what? You're out of control. You're making decisions that are way above your pay grade. And until it's ruled in the Supreme Court, I'm not held by your decisions. I'm going to do what's best for the country. Well, and another thing that I think of every so often is, um, you know, our military is sworn to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yeah. Foreign and domestic that means they can protect the constitution and 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 it's you know the constitution they can uphold the constitution militarily militarily if yeah and you know i mean that's a i mean that's that's a last resort i i understand but you know What's it going? What's it going to take? I mean, the left has such foolish ideas. Let everybody mm. and anybody come in. But, you know, don't doesn't matter who they are. Well, but it does. The thing is, our protection. It, absolutely, it matters. But the thing is, we haven't had anybody stand up to the judiciary branch. If Congress would stand up and say. You guys are out of control. You're one of three branches. You don't always get to tell us everything. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to be equal branches, and yet everything the judicial says is, it's like it's, you know, came down on the tablets, right? It didn't. We're not talking, you know, coming direct from the burning bush here. It's a bunch of judges. They're humans. They're flawed just as much as anybody. And so for one judge to determine the policy for everybody or even a handful of judges to determine policy for everybody, we're getting way out of whack here. You know, people keep talking about how, well, the executive branch has gotten way too much power. Well, they have more power than they probably should. 
I agree with that. But at the same time, the judicial branch is way out of balance, way out of balance with the other two branches. Well, everybody's so happy. <laughs> that I, I still don't understand how, how the judicial system became, I, I mean, the, the governing body for the entire country. It's, it, as you mentioned, states have, you know, a lot of say. Yeah. In policy and laws um, from state to state. However, things like immigration and border security, that falls under the president. Absolutely. The, the president, he or herself, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, has the power. That's how it was set up. And it was set up that way. And, well, of course, now they want to have socialism instead of, you know. Well, uh, and, unfortunately, I mean, our system of government is is getting further and further from what it was created to be. And really quick. It's accelerating for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but you sit there and you watch these things and you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The judiciary branch as a whole is supposed to be equal in power to the executive branch as a whole mm -hmm. and to the legislative branch as a whole. And yet, I have yet to see the executive branch or the legislative branch push back against the judiciary at all. They never come back and say, you're wrong. And until it goes up, you know, up the chain mm -hmm. beyond just you or beyond just your circuit or beyond just, you know, until it goes all the way up. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing because I know you're wrong. I know you're going to get overturned and there's no use implementing your policy that you're trying to write from the bench when I know that my policy meets constitutional muster. Correct. And yet what we have is everybody cowers. They all cower, they all back down, and they all allow the judicial branch to just steamroll them. And that's something I totally don't understand at all. It, it baffles me. It baffles me that, that the other two branches allow the judicial branch to take the power like that. Because, you know, self-preservation would, would state that you would, you know, fight for your rights, right? But neither of those two branches of government are standing up and saying, you're taking power that's not yours. That's well, enough. They're, they're supposed to be fighting for our Right. Well, they're supposed to, yeah, but they're not even fighting for their own no, power. No. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're letting the judiciary take power from them, and they're not fighting back against that. And so then, when the judiciary oversteps and and tramples on the rights of Americans, they certainly aren't pushing back against that. I mean, case in point, Obamacare. Mm -hmm. Only in twisted world could we decide that a shared responsibility payment, which is only implemented 
if you don't buy their product, and it's not even a federal product, it's a third-party product, right? Mm-hmm. Only in, in twisted upside-down world would that shared responsibility payment, a.k.a. fine, be considered a tax, which would then make it legal under the Constitution. Really, how is, how is that... You know, they, they take these things and they twist them and they turn them into something they're not just to make them fall under the Constitution. And so the judiciary rewrote the purpose of the fine in a ruling, even though the Solicitor General for Obama himself said, no, 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 it's not a tax. And everybody in the Democrat Party said, no, 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 it's not a tax. They argued viciously that it wasn't a tax because people didn't want an added tax. And yet the Supreme Court decided it was a tax because that's the only way to keep it legal. And you can keep your doctor. Yeah, and you can keep your doctor. And I have some oceanfront property right out my door that you can absolutely buy at rock bottom prices. If you know where I live, that's a false. Anyway, you know, I mean, this is ridiculous. It's, we are allowing our country to turn into this, you know, like, okay, so we watched Penguins of Madagascar the other night, right? Right. And so they morphed those penguins into these ridiculous monster penguins, right? They Mm -hmm. had like horns and flippers and they were green and they had quadruple eyeballs and all this. That's what our country and our, our government is doing. Instead of being the cute, cuddly penguin that's correct and proper and does what it's supposed to do, it's turned into this weird... It, it kind of resembles the penguin, but it's got things it doesn't need. It's got parts it shouldn't have. It's suddenly turned vicious instead of cute and cuddly. That's what's happening. The the government the federal government was designed to be the the smallest yes uh, hardly even noticeable part of government in the United States and instead um, people are because of leftist suggestion people think that the entire country owes them health care. They owe them free property. They owe them a car. They own them a, a home. A college <clears throat> education. A college education and a job if they or, if they want to. Or an income <clears throat> if they don't want to have a job. The thing is, those things, I, I mean, what's going on today, I don't think was even fathomable. By anyone. You know, if, uh, if, nobody... if the founding fathers had any clue what our government would appear to be today, I have a feeling they would have written a lot more thou shall nots mm-hmm. in the Constitution. They would have been very explicit that the federal government has no bearing and no standing to determine X, Y, Z which is what they're doing now because, you know. Well, they're telling people, they're telling people that whoever has money is, that money's going to be taken from them 
and we're just going to distribute that to you, little man, and you won't have to work because the, the here's the thing. If people are wealthy in this country, they earned it somehow. There's only there's only three ways that you can get money. You can inherit it. Mm-hmm. You can earn it. Mm-hmm. Or you can steal it. Which is apparently the socialist's preferred method. But, but because the, the left is feeding that everything should be everything should be given you shouldn't have to work really hard because you know work is hard and and after all you deserve policy that gives you everything for free here's the deal if you're getting everything free from the government you're also listening to what they tell you you're going to do and what you're not going to do in return yes for all the goodies exactly and yep. pretty soon you run the the problem with all socialism is you run out of somebody's money you yeah you run out mm-hmm. of other people's money we've taken the concept of equality mm-hmm. right which is a noble concept but in the days of the founders it was equality of opportunity there you go right yeah not not all men are created equal we are all endowed with our creator by the with these unalienable rights which give us equality of opportunity right thank, thank you equality of opportunity and liberals have determined that instead of equality of opportunity we deserve equality of outcome which is a fallacy there's never going to be equality of outcome because Somebody's always got to be in charge. And, well, because they're in charge, they deserve just a little bit more. A little more. bit more. A little a bit more. more. And so you end up with Venezuela. Mm-hmm. You know? And I know that we've beaten this Venezuela drum, but it, it's the most blatant and obvious and current uh, view of socialism out there. It, it's not that they didn't implement socialism properly. It's that they did. That's right. They, they implemented it by the book exactly how everybody says it should be implemented, and it is destroying a country. And I, that's not even an exaggeration. You know, they don't have clean water. They don't have, well, they currently don't have electricity most of the time unless you're, you know, got connections. Then you can have electricity part of the time because they really don't have any electricity because everything's falling apart because... Instead of maintaining what they had, they were busy giving everything to everybody so that everybody was equal, so that everybody loved them, so that everybody would vote for them. And now nobody has anything. And that's what all of these things we're seeing in our country, whether it be the judicial overreach, whether it be the the everybody gets to come in here, whether it be the you know Medicare for all and free healthcare, free college education, whatever, all these policies that are being pushed, the Green New Deal, all of these things, all of these things are putting us on a direct path to Venezuela. And I can guarantee you that your everyday Venezuelan does not believe socialism was a good thing for them. 
Well, you couldn't be more right. You couldn't be more right than that. <clears throat> they, uh, they're seeing firsthand uh, what the fallacies of, of socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it, it all ends up down the same path. Absolutely. To destruction of, of, of countries, of people. And all it does is, is raise the, the living standard for a very, very few elite. Well, you know, instead of equality of opportunity, instead of equality of outcome, you end up with equality of misery. That's right. That is the gold standard of socialism is equality of misery. Because because when they start when they when they stop the here you deserve this it's okay now we've done all this for you now you owe us. Yeah. Or or it turns into since we're providing this for you, we get to tell you, you cannot do that anymore. Mm-hmm. See, or you they, must do this now. What they do is they, they blow hot and cold with the same breath. Oh, absolutely. And, and we know how that turns out. Right. You know, and, and I know that, that we could continue on this probably. We could probably have a three-day discussion on this. Um. But, but folks that are that are listening out there, please understand that these these things, these freebies are not free. It's just like it's just like how our ancestors fought wars. They gave everything so that you could so that you could have a better life and a better chance. They didn't hand anything over to you except opportunity. Absolutely. You have the opportunity to get yourself educated or skilled, one of the two or both, so that you can position yourself in this country to either, I mean, to have a better chance at prospering or if you just, if, if it's your choice, if you don't want to prosper, then you also have the same right to fail yep. and become miserable. Yep. You have that choice. Are there certain things that that come in the way, say health issues for something, so, or something like that? You know what I mean. Those are unfortunate. I have health issues. Here's the thing: we have a program for that. It wasn't made so that everybody and their sister can say they're disabled. Mm-hmm. It was meant for the truly. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, you know, and the thing is, you know, you can say, well, I have a health issue that is preventing me from doing X, Y, Z, but you're a perfect example. 
It, that doesn't mean that you don't do anything. That's right. It means that, okay, I can't maybe do this, but I'm going to find a way to continue on. Mm-hmm. And it might not be at the standard that I wanted, but that's not the government's fault. That is, see, that's the thing right there. People believe that the government should supply them with everything. You know, there's there's only one out there who can supply all your needs. There's only one out there, and it's not the government. The yeah. Lord is the only one who can supply all your needs, and too many, too many of us think that he's the last resort. And we turn to the government and we turn to ourselves and we do stupid things over and over again. And we demand that others provide for us. And instead we need to turn to the only one who has the unlimited supply. There you go. And can provide for all of us without stealing it from somebody else. I'm glad that you brought that up because that, that is where the truth lies. It is. It absolutely is. It does. Well, our time is, is drawing short here, so um, I, I, hope that, I hope that this discussion, and it was kind of on the uh, state side there, yep. but, but um, really all of the answers, if, if, we, if we moved over to the, <laughs> to the church side. <laughs> <laughs> all the solutions uh, would be right all there, All the wouldn't solutions they? are right there. And um, so we're going to say good night for now. And um, please think about the, the subject that we had today and, and, you know, the problems that are coming in the very, very, uh, for short for foreseeable future here and um, please think about think about what God can do and what he's all I mean what he's already done and what he wants to do and what he wants to what do. he wants to do mm-hmm. in your life yes absolutely so anyways uh, till next time thanks for listening Thanks for joining us on this edition of our podcast, Church and State. We hope you'll be joining us again soon. Until next time, keep keeping the faith.